Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden Podcast. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen. Oh, hello. I'm Sadie Carpenter. Hey, Sadie. How you doing tonight? I am hanging in there. I am doing good. I am really excited about getting to this particular topic. Today's topic is one that I wouldn't say I want to talk about it, but it's one that we just like... It, it, I... I Maybe that's the wrong way of putting it. I'm saying I like it's important that we're talking about it, but I wish that we didn't have to because I wish yeah. that it yeah. But there are aspects of this topic that are not incredibly relevant to our normal content, but there are aspects of it that are extremely relevant to what we talk about on this show. So, of course, you know by the title you clicked on this episode, we're talking about Kanye West and also Kanye West's Donda Academy. So last week, we talked about personality cults, and I mentioned Kanye in some of the aspects of that, just in that um, musicians are often people who have personality cults built around them. And now that we're getting into talking about personality cults uh, as, as one of the aspects, one of the things that we can kind of cover on this show, this one, well, this has been kind of in the news lately, uh, for reasons that I wish that he wasn't in the news lately. Right. And so, yeah, I, I guess um, this one seemed like one that we'd kind of been interested in because, you know, as soon as the Donda Academy thing kind of came out and the news came out that that was happening, I don't know, I had kind of like a, is that a cult? That sounds like a cult kind of reaction to it. 
Yeah, so popular music or celebrity bad behavior aren't our usual topics unless it's a Duggar doing the celebrity bad behavior. (laughs) And condemning anti-Semitic death threats is a thing that's a little bit more in our wheelhouse. But a few months ago, I would never have imagined that we'd be doing an episode on Kanye West. The more recent issue is his, obviously, his tweets. Um, But something that's relevant to my life is this Donda Academy thing. It's the private Christian school which he is slash was slash might still be attempting to found. It's currently closed following his anti-Semitic Twitter fiasco. But I saw some videos coming out of Donda Academy, and that's what I really want to talk about. I have never had alarm bells of like, oh my god, this is a cult, ringing quite so quickly or quite so loudly. But on this show, we don't just apply the term cult to anything that we don't like or that makes us uncomfortable. So today we're going to talk about Kanye's specific cult of personality, and we're going to dive into Sunday services and Donda Academy and the potential cult-like tendencies there and evaluate them by the bite model. Yeah. Um, and Sadie, you were raised in a cult and you were raised in a a, a private Christian school that was definitely like a cult school mm-hmm. with with cult brainwashing. So uh we can take a look at this from an avenue of experience and and knowledge about the subject. And so that's what we're gonna do today. But before we get into that, I guess I have to do the whole spiel now. The Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host, cult expert Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, then there's a number of things that you can do to support us. Number one, you can hit that subscribe button so that you'll get updates when we drop a new episode. Number two, you can join our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast, where there's going to be an extended version of today's episode. All of our episodes have extended versions that go up on the Patreon. They also come out a day earlier. So if you just can't wait until Monday and you want it on Sunday, you can join the Patreon and get it there. You can also join our Facebook group if you're a fan of the show and you want to hang out and talk with other fans of the show who might have a similar life experience to you. Say you were raised in fundamentalism and you want to tell your story there. That's a great place to do it. And there's a lot of uh, really sympathetic and empathetic people in there that will also love to hear your story. You can also join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Sadie, you have something you want to promote. I do. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. Uh, So my husband's band, which is Red Hoof, is having a big end of their last show for 2022 on Saturday, December 10th. It's at the Big Lugrowski in Portland. And I would love to have listeners of our show come. Uh, I am going to be there no matter what I have to do to find a babysitter now that Gavi is moving away. (laughs) Uh, I... (laughs) But I I will be there um, hanging out, having a good time. If you want to check out the band, they're at Red Hoof PDX on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I'm going to come come see them on December 10th. Yeah, go do that, especially if you're a fan of hard rock, if you're a fan of metal. If you like like Motorhead, 
if you like Black Sabbath, if that's your bag, then you'll probably be right at home at a Red Hoof show. They're 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 real good. They're in that kind of vein of 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 classic sounding metal. Yeah. So now I guess the last thing that I have to do is thank our Faith Promise Missions, and I gave it all to your patrons before we get into the episode. So. As I always say, our Faith Promise Missions and I Gave It All tier patrons are the people that really keep the lights on for this show, that really make it so that we can devote the time and effort that we need to devote to this show in order to make it happen. To I Gave It All tier patrons, you guys are amazing. As always, it's Kathleen Moncrief and Melissa Mosley, two people uh, who I am forever indebted to uh, for your support of the show. Uh, I just, I, I truly do appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, quite, thank you quite, so quite much to Kathleen and Melissa. Fantastic people. Our Faith Promise Missions Cure patrons, your names are Alex Todd, Allison MacArthur, Anisha Patel, Brittany, Brooke Tolly, Carrie R., Krissa, Crystal Patterson, Dear Ethan Hansen the Musical, Eleanor Donahue, Elizabeth DeWorth, Emery Fairlosser, Hannah Ross, Hope Norum, Jen Kaharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna, Jonathan Miller, Kat Hedberg, Kater Wee, Kristen Marie, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Lorena Watson, MC Crunchwrap, hashtag the boy who cried sauce, aka Justin Bowman, aka Big Sexy, aka a very funny comedian who you guys should all look up. A person of many names. A person of many names and a person of many uh, humors. Uh, Vitreous humors? What? Nothing. It's a it's oh. an old-timey medicine joke. Michaela Upright, a.k.a. Morgan's actual BFF. Wow, Morgan's got a BFF now. Madeline Cusick, Marlena Stuve, Mary Williams, Mary Martin, a.k.a. the actor who played Peter Pan on Broadway, Megan Arendt, Mike Smith, Miranda Day, Rachel Bernadowitz, Rebecca Hoyt, Reverend Robert Stutz, Sarah Reese, Shane Horton, Stephanie Johnson, Susie, Tara McNamara, The Lady Rabbi, Tiffany Enderby, Walnut Walnutson, and as always, Wes the Cowboy. Thank you so much to all of our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. We appreciate you so much. And to all of our patrons on Patreon. Yes, fantastic people. You guys really, really, really make it so that we can do this show. We would be nowhere without you. You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, And one last thing before we get into the meat of the show, which is that we are, uh, as you guys know, we have remastered versions of all of our earliest episodes coming out Um, this week, episode four, which is an episode where we talk about what it's like dating in a cult, Uh, talk about purity culture, talk about all those things that's coming out. And, and that's going to be out on Thursday. And you'll be able to tell because it has the special cover art designed by Rachel Zilka. If you need a graphic designer, head to rachelzilka.com. Zilka spelled Z-Y-L-K-A. Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-E-L. Go to that website. Hire Rachel. Fantastic designer. And I think we're ready to go. I think we're ready. Let's do it. Yeah, finally, after like 10 minutes of of, of stuff. So last week... We talked about personality cults, so we're going to do like a timeline and a look into the a personality cult that has been in the news lately for very unfortunate reasons, and that's the personality cult that's around 
Kanye West. We're going to talk about how it's risen, how it's very much sort of collapsed over the last few years and a few years and especially over the last few weeks and months. I'm extremely interested to hear about this. I don't know a lot about his career because I was in a cult for such a large part of it. So I am I am excited for you to tell me things I don't know. Yeah. Um so why don't we start at the beginning, I guess. Um Kanye West, born in Atlanta. His father was a, a photojournalist, his mother uh an English professor. His parents divorced. Um, and in 1980, his mother took a job at as the head of the English department at Chicago State University. Wow, fantastic. And Kanye moved with his mother, Donda, to Chicago. He had, from an in, a young age, he had interests in um, art, fashion, music. And in the 1990s, uh, in the late 1990s, he started making beats for hip-hop artists. He had kind of a signature style of of using samples from soul records. So he'd like chop up an old soul record uh, uh like take a sample from an old soul record speed it up slow it down and use that to make like a hip-hop beat uh and he'd produced beats for everyone from like raekwon Ludacris, alicia keys janet jackson very you know famous successful artists but he was most heavily associated with jay-z and he produced jay-z's album the blueprint uh, uh, and that was a, a massively successful album, a uh, huge critical acclaim, huge fan acclaim. Everybody loved that album. He was successful for being a producer at this time um, in like the early 2000s, but he wasn't known for rapping yet because at the time, rap music had a heavy emphasis on gangster rap, uh, that, that subgenre, and he wasn't seen as being marketable because he wasn't really in that genre. But he was able to kind of break through with a refreshing style, a refreshing sound that was kind of a blend of like conscious uh, intellectual hip hop and bling era hip hop, kind of like combining those two. And he had the soul beat style that that he was known for with his production. And he talked a lot in his music about uh, discrimination, racism, issues going on in the black community in Chicago, around the world. And he had this, I want to say almost like puppy dog kind of energy. His music was thoughtful, but it was also like fun. And 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 through this style, he quickly became one of the more successful rap artists of the 2000s. Of course, I was still in a cult, so I it, missed this. But you were near Chicago and you didn't know about any of this. Yeah. So I was uh, at this point, I was living in Southern Illinois and then later going to college in the, in the Chicago area. But nope, no idea. So as I was leaving the IFB, so thinking like 2013, 2014, I knew Kanye's name as like, this is someone who is famous. This is a guy who is a rapper. He is that guy who married Kim Kardashian. So I was I was in that phase of life. One of the only forms of quote unquote worldly media that I consumed as a teenager, so like 2007, 2008, 2009, was pictures of celebrities at award shows because I was really interested. Like like I've talked about before, I was really interested in formal wear. And that was something that I dreamed of being able to wear because I was going to this Christian school. I would never be able to go to a prom. And that was something that I was really interested in. So I would look at pictures of celebrities at award shows because that was the only 
way I knew how to connect with the fashion world that I was largely prohibited from engaging with at all. So I knew, and then I also, I was in, you know, talking later, 2012, 2013, 2014, I was in that phase of my life, like every young fundy girl, where I was planning my wedding, even though I did not have a fiance (laughs) at that point. I was planning a wedding, um, like every, yeah, like every fundy person, uh, the AFAB person. So I was looking at pictures from Kim and Kanye's wedding. But other than that, I really vague, only vaguely knew who he was at all. It's so wild to me that we're the same age. Like you were born two, three months before I was. Yeah. Um, we're both born in 93, but that you've only ever known about Kanye like post Kardashian like you didn't know about Kanye pre Kardashian yeah I knew he existed but that was about it actually until he started doing Sunday service which is like five full years later but we're gonna get to that I don't want to jump ahead for me Kanye West was one of the first hip-hop artists that I started listening to when I started listening to hip-hop music before I was like 12 or 13 I wasn't really allowed to listen to hip hop because my parents thought that it was all about drugs and violence and and like gangs and objectification of women, which I see now um, looking back, that's kind of racist. But that wasn't an uncommon attitude that a lot of parents had, or at least parents of white kids had at the time. But one of the things that really got me into his music when I first started listening to his music, because, you know, when you first start listening to hip hop, and you haven't listened to a lot of it before, it can sound kind of, it, it can be a little bit jarring to get into and a little bit difficult to get into. Well, similar to getting into like black metal. Oh, for sure. Exact same thing. Or you like when to, I had you. You have to train your ear to listen for the chords. And especially if you're somebody who grew up with classical music, like we both did, like we, we both grew up engaging with these like very formal, older styles of music the same chords and musical planning and musical logic are present in these other forms of music, but you kind of have to train your ear to be able to hear it. Yeah. And it's not dissimilar from when like a couple of years ago, I had you listen to Graceland by Paul Simon. You know, you just weren't used to listening to that South Africa township music. And it, it that is definitely something that takes some getting used to. But the thing that really drew me into his music that made it really easy for me to listen to is, you know, because when I was growing up, my parents, they listened to classic rock. They'd also listen to like 1970s soul music. So Kanye was making a lot of his beats from old soul records. Like he would chop, uh, he, he would take like a, like a little like four second sample of a soul record and speed it up or slow it down. And so that sound, that aesthetic was familiar to me. And that was one of the things that really drew me in, made it really enjoyable for me to listen to and so i was a big fan of his music i think every bar bat mitzvah i went to in like 2005 2006 had either like touch the sky or slow jams or gold digger on the playlist you know i was definitely i was a fan of his music gold digger is such a good song it is one of those songs that makes you wish that the artist had not turned out to be the person that he is for sure dude yeah, like all his early music is really good. Uh, it's infuriating that he hates Jews because his music is amazing. Uh, in in 2007, though, 
Kanye's mother, Donda, died as the re- as the result of of complications during a cosmetic surgery. Very sad. This was very hard on Kanye. He, he was uh, famously very close to his mother and often cited her as a major inspiration in his life and her as one of the people who pushed him the hardest in pursuing his dream of being a musician. Yep, I, I can relate. That is legitimately a tough thing to go through. Yeah, losing a parent, that's... Man... Feel for the guy. The same year he came out with his third album, uh, which was called Graduation. It was a big hit. Everyone loved it. He was one of the biggest stars in music at that point. And I was still totally in the dark about who he was. So you'd never heard like Stronger or like Good Life or like Flashing Lights? So I looked it up and Graduation came out in 2007. And at that point in my life, I only ever heard popular music like if I was in the grocery store with my parents and there was music playing in the grocery store, that was that would be the only time. Like if you know if we went into a gas station to get gas and there was music playing, hmm. that that was the only the only access that I had to any popular music as, at all. So I didn't really uh. I didn't really know anything about Kanye until he was getting married to Kim. And that okay. That makes sense. And that wasn't until like 13, 14, whatever. 2014. So you, yeah. So you didn't hear about the whole Taylor Swift VMA Awards debacle. I was definitely reading. Uh, I definitely knew that that happened because of the only celebrity news I was engaging with at all, because growing up in the cult, so-and-so celebrity cheated on their partner with this other celebrity, like all the Brad and Angelina news that was super hot at the time. That I couldn't read that because that's an article about immorality. And I couldn't read articles about so and so celebrity went to so and so nightclub because that's about drinking. So the only thing I was engaging with was award show fashion. So I read about what happened at the VMAs because I was reading about award show fashion and that was a related topic. But all I knew was Taylor Swift is like this teenage girl who does country music and Kanye is like this dude who is a rapper. That was it. I had zero context on who these people were culturally or what size of following they had or like what the VMAs were. (laughs) I didn't really know what a music video was. I hadn't picked up, I don't think I'd ever seen a music video at that point in my life. I hadn't Hmm. picked up on what celebrity culture was. And I didn't have any social media other than Facebook, which, as you know, was a different place like 10 or 11 years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that, that's just so wild to me that like you heard about it, but you didn't really. I mean, I, I guess at least you heard about it because I was at the time I was a Kanye West fan and I was a Taylor Swift fan. So for those of for those who don't know about this situation, about this event, because yeah, for they were the raised, fellow culties yeah. who are listening. Yeah, for the people who didn't even read uh, award show fashion magazines. So the, the at the 2009 MTV Video Music Awards, which is the, basically like the Grammys for the best music video, Taylor Swift, uh, uh, her music video for her song, You Belong With Me, was up, uh, was up for the award for best female video against... Beyonce's video for single ladies. Both of these were really popular music videos at the time. Um, Both really good music videos. The context for this is that usually at these award shows, um, at least at the VMAs, the video that wins best video 
won't win the subcategory for male video or female video. And Beyonce was expected to win best video for single ladies. And so when Taylor Swift won best female video, the uh, like this this whole system is stupid, by the way. Award shows are stupid, but that that's basically what's going on. Taylor goes up on stage to accept her award, and an extremely intoxicated Kanye West goes up on stage to say that Beyonce should have won, and that then then there's a huge controversy. He like interrupts Taylor accepting her award. Everybody's talking about it, even President Barack Obama, who like West is from Chicago and who had previously said that Kanye was his favorite rapper comes out and says that Kanye looks like a jackass. Yikes. Yeah. Like Obama is coming out and and talking about this like dumb celebrity gossip thing. Like this is like, I mean, you guys think that like the don't worry darling press tour is (laughs) a a chaotic cluster. This is like that times a thousand, man. This is like, Oh man, no, like obviously this is really bad PR. Even though like Kanye goes on talk shows the next day to try to apologize and go on like an apology tour a bit, but he comes it becomes a bit of like persona non grata. A lot of people are really turned off to him. Simultaneously to this, a lot of stuff is going on poorly in his personal life. He has relationships that are falling apart. He's still dealing with the the the, the personal tragedy of losing his mother. In 2010, he comes out with an album called My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which contained themes of success causing serious damage to a person's psyche and problems in your personal life. And there's some songs where he he ha, he, he displays apologetic or, or remorseful sentiments on them about how much of a jerk he's been. And this is kind of the start of a cycle that I kind of want to talk about, is that Kanye will do something terrible. People will get very angry about him. He will then apologize and say that it was XYZ thing that caused him to do it. And then he'll drop an album, and then the narrative is, I make amazing music, and I'm a creative genius, but I'm also wired differently. So if you want my music, you're going to have to put up with all of the nonsense that I do. And that's just who I am. This is starting to sound familiar. So, like, there's so many examples of this. Another example, like, everything he did in the entire year of 2016, um, from the disparaging lyrics about Taylor Swift on his album that came out that year to his tweeting that he was $53 million in debt and asking Mark Zuckerberg to bail him out to his increasingly bizarre onstage rants, including one in uh, like late November of 2016, in which he said that he didn't vote, but that if he had voted, he would have voted for Trump, which was, yeah, in, in November of 2016, that's not a great thing to be saying. This was also around the time that his wife, uh, Kim Kardashian, was held up at a robbery. He held up at gunpoint. Very horrible. Genuinely terrifying. And regardless of what you think about her, I genuinely feel bad for her. Yeah, that's that's a traumatizing event to happen to anybody. So around this time, uh, Kanye comes out as having bipolar disorder. Then saying, oh, that basically explains all of my erratic behavior up to this point. I'm going to try to get help about it. And people are like, oh, okay, well, that's really brave of you to come out and say that. And then in 2018, in the run-up of him releasing his album, uh, which 
was going to be, which is titled Yay, he started saying all sorts of wild things, like saying slavery was a choice, just, just all sorts of just truly nutty things about racism, about uh, 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 policing, just truly, truly wild stuff. And then on the album, he has some songs in which he's penitent about the damage that his words have done. And the cover references his bipolar disorder. And he talks about mental health and, and having bipolar disorder on the album. And then he goes on talk shows and talks about how his manic states make him feel super paranoid. But over basically the, the past many years, a lot of the people who were close to him throughout his career, like Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kid Cudi, have, have all kind of distanced themselves from him. And now in 2022, uh, earlier this year, his wife, uh, ex-wife at this point, and the mother of his children, Kim Kardashian, filed for divorce. People who are close to him are just not really associating with him anymore because he is too much of a handful. As you were talking, I kept thinking about these fundamentalist pastors who, whatever it is they did, you know, they had an affair with somebody in their church, or they committed a crime, or they did financial mismanagement, it, they follow this exact same pattern. So for Kanye, the pattern is like, do something wild, and then apologize and say, oh, it's it's because I have bipolar disorder. It's because I've been through personal tragedy. It's because of this, it's because of that. And then drop something new and then want a fresh start and expect people to just continue giving him grace. And with fundamentalist pastors, they like they do whatever quote unquote sinful behavior or sometimes actually extremely harmful and bad behavior. And then they apologize and say the devil made them do it. <laughs> and then they come out with something new, like a new devotional or a new sermon or whatever it is, a new CD, if it's a Christian music artist. And then they expect the expected outcome is that people will just continue to give them grace. So I see like that same pattern playing out with more people other than just Kanye. And I don't ever want to seem like I'm being ungracious to people who have mental illness, but there people who have mental illness should also be held accountable for their actions. And he has a long history of not holding himself accountable and not truly getting the help that he needs. I wanted to like go through that career trajectory to establish that pattern of behavior because I knew that as soon as I did that, you would you would grab onto that because that's something that you're so familiar with. It feels very similar. I read that he was once featured on the cover of Rolling Stone wearing a crown of thorns with the title The Passion of Kanye West. Mm. So like he's made religious references in his lyrics throughout his career and in art relating to his albums throughout his career, which is not an issue. I do bristle a little bit when he has allowed and encouraged and fostered direct comparisons between himself and Jesus as like a part of his whole mad genius branding. Yeah, I mean, he did literally make an album called Jesus, and there was a song on the album called I Am a God. <laughs> he also said that at one point he said that if the Bible were written today, he would be one of the characters. I don't know how true that is. Um, like if Jesus came today, do you think Jesus would go and talk to Kanye? Like, or do you think Jesus would like talk to the famous people? 
I guess Jesus talked to everybody. Jesus talked to the the low people. Jesus talked to the yeah. high people. He he. So I mean, it, it's it's not unreasonable that there would have been an, an a, a, like a story in which Jesus goes and talks to Kanye and says, "Dude, get your shit together. You're alienating everybody around in your life." Not saying that I speak with the Lord of Je- with the word of Jesus about what Jesus would say to Kanye because I'm not even Christian. But. You know, everybody everybody makes up what they think Jesus would say. Like all Christians do it. Some of us try to do it in a more non-toxic way, and then some people do it in what I consider an incredibly toxic way. But all of us make up what we think Jesus would say, so I don't have an issue with you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like at this point, you're not um, you're not diluting Jesus's brand. <laughs> Jesus know? was my cousin. I mean, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I just I want to point out though. That in Christian theology, we are supposed to find ourselves and bits of ourselves in characters of the Bible and sometimes take that as a word of warning or sometimes take that as something that we are to live up to. Uh, And finding connection and recognition of ourselves in who Jesus was, that's not abnormal. What is very abnormal and problematic in Christian theology is to say, I am a god. (laughs) or allow oneself to be portrayed as Jesus. That is um, crossing a real big line. Back to his right-wing political turn and everything that came with that. This is around the time that I was much more aware of pop culture. I had not listened to a lot of Kanye's music, but I was at least more aware of who he was. So as insulated as I was when I was in the cult and still in the process of leaving the cult, the only thing that really filtered through was his worst behavior, like the VMAs incident. Yeah. And see, the, the right wing political turn when he started, you know, endorsing Trump, endorsing all, all sorts of just like just going really right wing with his politics. It was such a departure because I remember seeing him on the Hurricane Katrina telethon. And this was like right after I started listening to his music in like 2005. He, it, it, Hurricane Katrina hit. And in 2005, he was on the telethon to try to raise money for the victims of Hurricane Katrina. And he was on there uh, standing next to Mike Myers. And he was clearly just really upset about all of the destruction. Like if you go back and watch the video, he's just like going out of his mind, looking at like these videos that they're showing. He's just like, so he's feeling for all these people. And he looks dead in the camera and he says, George Bush doesn't care about black people to a live TV audience. Personally, I thought he was incredibly brave for saying that, especially considering how bad George Bush's uh, response to Hurricane Katrina was. And I thought, man, like he's really speaking the truth here. He's saying it out loud. Yeah. Jonathan told me about that, uh, like what he said about George Bush. That was the the one um, thing that Jonathan had to add to this episode. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit more about his cycle of like messing up, apologizing, dropping a new album, and expecting continued grace. I was reading an excerpt from the book Wake Up, Mr. West. Con- is it, oh, the title is Wake Up, Mr. West, Kanye West, and the Double Consciousness of Black Celebrity. It's by Joshua K. Wright. That The excerpt that I was reading was about how R. Kelly did a gospel album in 2004 after the original sexual abuse claims against him came out. And that was his way of redeeming himself to the public. And then he continued to get away with sex crimes for many more years. And then uh, it was also mentioned that O.J. Simpson 
conspicuously made sure he got photographed attending church while on trial. I was also listening to this week to the It Could Happen Here podcast, and Propaganda was on the podcast. He's a rapper who's often been featured on It Could Happen Here and Behind the Bastards. Uh, one of, Personally, my favorite Behind the Bastards guest, other than Jamie Loftus, because I love her. And what Propaganda pointed out was that Kanye has identified himself as a Christian for a long time, and the religious references have always been present in his work. But Prop's take was along the lines that a return to religion or religious practices or public religious practice is a natural connection to make for Black celebrities who find themselves in hot water. And the reason for that is that they were very likely raised in church. Even take celebrities like Jennifer Hudson. As far as I'm aware, she's never done anything wrong in her entire life. Extremely talented. Yes. (laughs) Um... But but her story of I was raised singing in my church choir, you like it is it is such a common story that you hear the same story over and over again. And because of the likelihood that black celebrities in particular were raised in church and have a connection to a church community, the idea of like, I have made mistakes and I need to fix it. What am I going to do? I'm going to go back to religion is a really natural connection. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is that religion has been present in Kanye's music since the beginning of his career. Like, one of his first hit singles was Jesus Walks. Have you heard that song? Do you know that song? I have heard it now. I had not heard it before doing research for this episode. It's a it's a great song. It's uh, it's written from the perspective of a a rapper slash drug dealer who is contemplating his relationship with God. And the, the lyrics of the song are are about how Jesus is the only hope for people who are victims of poverty, victims of violence, but that if he made a song about Jesus, uh, that that wouldn't get radio play because all the radio wants to hear is music that that glorifies the drugs and glorifies the violence. And it's a great song. Highly, like I, I, enjoy listening to that song like even now still and i'm not even christian it's a great song so after listening to that song doing research for this uh, i have a couple thoughts number one the music video is beautiful number two the message of jesus walks with the with the downtrodden um is scriptural and it's a perfectly good message like when you feel alone jesus is with you you can believe it or not believe it but that's a pretty non-toxic message Also, my third thought, uh, that song is better than anything on the actual Jesus is King album, which I'm sure we'll get to down the the road here. Yeah, no argument here. Uh, There's a few lines from the song, though, that I thought at least are are worth looking at, particularly ones where, like, because he says, uh, the line is, I ain't here to argue about his facial features or here to convert atheists into believers. I'm just trying to say the way school need teachers, the way Kathy Lee needed Regis is the way I need Jesus. I mean, he's like, and you look at that, he's done pretty much a complete 180 on everything in his life. Now that he's gone into the whole uh, black Hebrew Israelite thing, he is trying to argue about Jesus's facial features. Right. And now that he's doing uh, the Sunday service with his own church, he is trying to convert atheists into believers. And Satanists, like, but we'll get to that. Yeah, and so I want to know, I want to stop and note here, we are probably going to do a whole episode about 
BHI, Black Hebrew Israelites, eventually. I don't want to get too deep into it in this episode because I don't want to pin it on Kanye. The things that he he is saying are incorrect, but it, it did not originate with him. He is just repeating things that a lot of other influential people have said. The basic belief, if you don't know, is that Black African people are the quote unquote real Jews about whom the Bible was written. And that people who claim Jewish ancestry are fake, which is an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory as old as time. Uh, It's been around the block about a million times. I just, this isn't the place to to fully get into that because uh, Kanye is causing harm by repeating this conspiracy theory, but he did not come up with it. And I don't want to pin something on him that he didn't do. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes perfect sense. So I'm glad that we established just how big of a star Kanye was at the time and his pattern of, I did something that people hate, I'm going to attempt to redeem myself, and then I'm going to expect people to just allow me to to repeat this cycle over and over again, because that runs into a lot of what I want to talk about when it comes to Sunday services. Yeah, I, I think you're going to also know more about this than I do, because um, like 2019, which is the year that he went super Christian and came out with with Jesus is King, which is his legitimately awful Christian album. <laughs> that's that's kind of when I, I I stopped following him. When I was just like, okay, like I'm I'm kind of I'm done with you. Yeah. Um. By the way, did you hear any of the songs on the album? Yes, I don't recall. I don't think I've ever sat down and done like a serious listen through, but I definitely checked out the songs kind of piecemeal. I want to do a big disclaimer here. Contemporary Christian music, it just isn't my thing. I tried to like it. I found like three songs that I liked. And that's kind of where it ends for me, unless you count Striper, uh, who I love. But if you enjoy Christian contemporary music, if you get a lot of spiritual good out of it, or you just like it and it makes you happy, I'm not here to throw shade at you or criticize you. I'm happy you found something you like. But also, Jesus is King is not good. (laughs) There's one song in the album I like. Um, and that's the one with clips on it, but the the like the worst song on the album. Did you listen to the to the one closed on Sunday? Yes, I went back and listened to it. The line is closed on Sunday. You're my Chick Fil A. <laughs> this song, it, number one, oh. it's so bland, and then number two, like half of it is right wing evangelical fear mongering propaganda. And then the other half of it is a commercial for homophobic chicken. Like with like for Kanye, not all of his music is stuff that I like. Not all of it is stuff that I love. But usually, like if he makes a song, it'll be that he's chosen to do something and he's fully committed to that thing. And I will understand why it would appeal to somebody, even if that person isn't me. I just did not understand this one, man. I like it seemed like it was a Christian album made by somebody who had never read the Bible. And I'm not mm. trying to say that Kanye has never read the Bible. Well, he says he's never read a book. So I know he he's I mean, he just might be saying <laughs> like that. That just might be him saying <laughs> because I've heard him say in other interviews that he reads the Bible before he goes to bed. So I'm not trying to say that Kanye has never read the Bible. But the vibe I got was this is a, a Christian album made by somebody who's never read the Bible. And if I were a Christian, I, I'd be disappointed because he's not saying anything interesting or insightful about God or religion in this music or finding 
a new way to express an old idea or expressing an old idea with his unique voice. Well, Jesus Walks was that, and yeah. this is not. Yeah, I was hoping, like, when he said, I'm coming out with a Christian album, I'm like, oh, is it going to be, like, a bunch of Jesus Walks? Because that's probably going to be really good. But this was just extremely surface level. So I was reading a Rolling Stone article that's an interview of Jason White, who was at the time of publication in 2019 and maybe still is the director of Kanye's Sunday Service Choir, uh, was not able to track down, weirdly, whether he's still directing that choir. I think he is. So Jason White felt that it was the level of fame that Kanye had attained at that point in like 2019 that allowed him to realize his creative vision for Sunday services. So calling back to what we were talking about earlier, this Christian realm was a venue where Kanye wasn't made to feel like he was asking for too much. His He didn't feel like he was being told that his vision was too big. What I got from that is maybe Kanye finally found a venue, a genre where he couldn't go too big. Like, there's a story where Kanye pulled out of Coachella because Coachella wouldn't build a dome for him and he got mad and like pulled out of the festival. When I think about him financing Sunday services himself and putting himself and over a hundred musicians up on the side of a mountain, it maybe feels like the secular music world was telling him that what he wanted was too much. And when he flipped over to the Christian music world, they welcomed his too muchness. The other thing that White said, though, which was huh. interesting. Isn't that interesting? I have a, th- I have a thought about that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I, it, it made me think. Do you ever watch Metalocalypse? Yes. It made me think. Like, it's like a reverse Metalocalypse. Like, all of the over-the-top hype shit that Death Clock would do in Metalocalypse is the same stuff that Kanye is doing, only Kanye's doing it like for Jesus and not for Satan. <laughs> well, and people who are like really big Jesus stands, um, historically, they tend to like things that are a bit over the top. I-, I went to a pastor school at First Baptist Church of Hammond where they placed a giant, giant, like 50 or 100 foot cross in the middle of the room. They... They tend to like big gestures. So if somebody came along who had a lot of fame, a lot of personality, and a penchant for really big gestures, and were like, hey, I want to make these really big gestures about your dude Jesus now, I can see how that would appeal. And the organizers of Coachella are used to dealing with artists who make big demands, and they are in a financial position and a power position to be like, no, we're not doing that. But this Christian music realm, they don't have the upper hand. Connie has the upper hand in this situation. And also, if somebody says, I want to do this huge thing for Jesus, and they say, no, that's too much. Jesus doesn't need all that. That's a bad look. Huh. So, like, the the Christian theology, as well as his fame, may have contributed to a situation where he felt like his creative genius was properly respected for the first time in his life. Because nobody wanted to tell him no. That's complete speculation, but that's what I see. Man, that is such a that is such an insight. Wow. Okay, that makes so much sense, though. I I think it does. Mm. So the other thing that White said that I found interesting was that Kanye's lyrics, both on Jesus is King and in the songs that they rewrote and remixed for Sunday services 
were, quote, scripturally sound. I think it's interesting that White said that being scripturally correct was something that was very important to Kanye and himself. I will say listening back to songs to do this episode from Jesus is King, I didn't listen to the whole album, but from what I did listen to, I didn't hear anything that stood out as a major error. Like, sure, in an evangelical Christian interpretation, I can't say his lyrics are not, quote, spiritually sound or scripturally sound. But it's a bit of a bummer to hear him using the same rhymes, the same concepts that are everywhere in Christian music and have been for 150 years, knowing that Kanye is a brilliant lyricist, and then hearing him using what we church kids like to call tree-see-me-free rhymes is is a bit of a letdown. That's such a disappointment. Like when... Like I said, when I heard he was doing a Christian album, I thought that he would bring like something to I thought that he would bring a bit of of uh, really more character to it. But I also think that this has to do with there, there's like a lot of lyrical difference between his early work and his later work. Like in his first several albums, the topics and themes that were, he was talking about were topics and themes that would be relatable to an regular person. Uh, maybe not me because I didn't grow up where he grew up, but uh, there, there is an regular person who that is relatable to. Even when he got up to doing like in, in like 2010, when he was uh, uh, doing that My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy album, which was like an album about this is the negative effects that fame and stardom can have on a person. That's still a, a relatable and an interesting story. But from there, it just kind of became a bunch of nonsense like the songs were hot but like his problems that he was going through and like the conflict that that he was you know that was like driving the story of of the the songs that he was rapping about the events in his life that he was talking about they're not problems to anybody who isn't a multi-millionaire celebrity rapper and fashion mogul married to a socialite reality tv star living in the alternate reality that is los angeles so i i do want to point out something about christian music some people who listen to christian music want music that is about real problems that they might be facing in real life exactly like someone who's going through a breakup might want to listen to adele But some people, they want to listen to Christian hype music that makes them feel better and there's an escapist kind of mentality, just like somebody who isn't having a very good time in life or has low self-esteem might want to listen to About About Damn Time by Lizzo to like get them out of that headspace and make them feel better. I listen to that song when I'm feeling great and it makes me feel even more great. I listen to that song when I'm sad and it makes me feel better. But Christian music has that same kind of thing. Like there are songs that are meant to identify with people who are struggling. And there are also songs that are meant to be a little more escapist. It seems like the kind of Jesus music uh, that Kanye wanted to make is more towards the escapist type. The issue for me is that it's more about himself than like the normal concepts, which is which would be it's going to be fine. We're all going to go to heaven or God loves you no matter what. It's more about like I'm a great person because of god i think okay um that makes sense to me but also and and i'm not a christian so i i maybe correct me if i'm wrong here but from where i'm sitting it seems like christianity 
is a religion that uh, the, the, the intention behind it, you're, you're supposed to promote selflessness, right? Promote humility. Uh, uh, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what Jesus is all about: selflessness, humility. These are concepts that are wholly incompatible with the kind of music that it seems like Kanye wants to make. It seems a bit crazy that you can make songs about like f-ing porn stars and models with bleach and driving Lamborghinis in my box and talking about how you're the greatest person in the entire world and then turn around and say, make an album where you're saying, I surrender myself to Jesus and I dedicate my life to this the, the Lord and the Holy Spirit for his kingdom is not of this world. It, it seems kind of antithetical to go and do that. So you can do the first thing and then turn around and do that second thing. There is scriptural backing for that. There is, um oh, there's some dude in the New Testament who is like uh, ridiculously rich and then became a Christian and gave most, most of his possessions away and became a very humble man. What you can't do is both at the same time. That's what Kanye wants to do. That's the thing. So I was reading the lyrics. I want to be specific. I was reading the lyrics to On God, which is a song on Jesus is King. And the gist of that song is basically God saved me from near-death experiences and made me the greatest rapper of all time. See, that that's the problem. Right. Yeah, you can't you can say I used to be I used to be so proud and think that I was the greatest, but now I know that God is the greatest. You can say that in Christian theology. You can't say God made me the greatest. <laughs> Jack Hiles. So I want to dig into Sunday services because we've got to come up on a break pretty soon. But I I have thoughts about Sunday services that I think are important. I think that Sunday services was more, so in in um 2019 Kanye kind of started his own church, sort of. He started having uh, weekly Sunday morning worship services led by himself. And I think this was more than a one-time attempt to redeem himself because he had practiced this cycle of messing up, apologizing, asking forgiveness, getting a new start. Messing up, apologizing, asking forgiveness, getting a new start. He had practiced this cycle so many times that I feel like by 2018, his reputation was pretty close to unsalvageable. I don't see Sunday services as a continuation of that cycle. I see Sunday services as a bid to redeem himself and change his image permanently. Like, a bid to end the cycle, but possibly in a toxic and manipulative way, question mark. In a way, you mean like saying, oh, well, I'll never need to ask for uh, forgiveness if I'm constantly, if like the forgiveness is the church. So I'll just like stay in the church and then I can do whatever I want. It's that like. could have been his motivation. Or, and we have to recognize that he is a person who has mental illness. So that could have been a genuine thought as well. Like this is because every every person who has mental illness, I think, is familiar with this cycle of feeling like you've messed up and feeling like you're bad and broken and just thinking, I'm just going to white knuckle it and I'm going to force myself to be better and I'm going to force myself to do better and I'm going to you know, get rid of my intrusive thoughts or deal with my bipolar mood swings better or deal with my anxiety better, ignore my anxiety, work through panic attacks, like whatever it is that you have 
you you just decide to yourself, I'm going to fix it, and this is going to be the last time, and I'm going to force myself to be better. And I, so this could be a bid to manipulate people into thinking that he is a good person forever, or it could be an expression of that mental illness, like that philosophy of like, I'm going to force myself to be better. And I really could see it going either way. There's certain people who are drawn to religion and um, evangelical Christianity, especially because A, of all certain denominations offer easy redemption if you show that your belief is strong. And second, you can become glorified and exalted if you show your belief strongly enough very publicly. And and like there, there's people that will do that sort of thing, who will get involved with evangelical Christianity and venerate Jesus and, and God as a way to venerate themselves. So I want to talk about what actually happens at Sunday services, because I have a lot of thoughts, and I think this will continue to clarify what we're talking about here. Uh, Kanye self-financed these mega events in LA. They attracted lots of celebrities. He didn't charge for tickets, technically. They were invite-only, and you had to like get on a list to get a ticket. And then people who were lucky enough to get one often resold them for a lot of money, and he didn't do anything about that. He did release a merch collection, clothing collection that was predictably the price that you would expect Kanye merch to be like a $250 sweatshirt and $50 socks um, <sighs> that were meant to be worn to these church services. So it could be griftier, but it's not ungrifty. <laughs> the music for these church services is the Christian songs that Kanye has written. Uh, also, Kanye's non-Christian songs rewritten to have clean and Christian lyrics. And also other hip-hop and R&B classics rewritten as Christian songs which is just something that is that is something yeah i mean i don't know i see this sort of as like a vertical integration thing like he he, he's all about his own creative vision and this is something that we're going to come back to later he's the kind of guy that he'll talk he'll like want to combine his architecture design or whatever with his music with his yeezy fashion launch so he'll like launch an album at the same time as he'll do like his fashion show at the same and like a venue that he'll have designed the venue and then he'll bring out his celebrity friends. That's a, it's a very Kanye thing to do. Right. And because he has talent, this would work if he were not both acting badly because of his mental illness and also acting badly because he holds incorrect and harmful views. So I get why he would rebrand his own past music as Christian songs. And honestly, I have no problem with that. What's super weird to me is redoing other people's songs as Christian songs. Like he apparently rewrote So Anxious by Genuine into Soul's Anchor. What? Yeah. What? Do, uh, do, you, do you know the song So Anxious by Genuine? Have, have you listened to that song? I went and listened to it when I was making my episode notes. This is a song, like, you know the song Pony by Genuine? For sure. This is a song that would go on the same playlist for the same purpose as when you would listen to Pony by Genuine. Like, would you like me to read some of the Kanye lyrics for this? You know, I'm almost afraid of this. Uh, you, okay, you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of the... Do you remember when we were uh, in... It, 
say it, for those of you who who uh, haven't gotten that far in the show, Sadie, the cult leader from Sadie's cult. Uh, had this weird theology about how when you have sex with your partner in a Christian marriage, it's technically a three-way with Jesus. Yep. So I'm afraid- I know this sounds wild. I promise it's true. And it was also taught to me when I was massively underage. Very creepy. But yep. that's what I'm, that's what, like, rewriting uh, uh, So Anxious by Genuine to be Christian, that's like, that's like the levels of, you remember when we were talking about them changing the words to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah from Holy Dove to Holy Ghost? Yeah. Uh, fortunately, this So Anxious rewrite is not that. I, I think that's fortunately. It's not a <laughs> Jesus is my boyfriend song. Let me read you the lyrics. Go for it. So the Kanye-ified lyrics are on time, every time, always there, said you'll never leave us nor forsake us, so we stand on your word, brought us out of darkness into your light, by your power we're set free, where two or three are gathered, you're there in the midst. Thank you, Lord, so glad we know our souls anchored, every single day you're worthy, to you we give the glory, because our souls anchored. When we think back where we started, we were brokenhearted, now our souls anchored. That's so, I'm, I'm truly confused by that. It's so, like, so anxious by Genuine is not a song that you put on when you want to think about Jesus. So Anxious by Genuine is a song that belongs on a playlist with Darling Nikki by Prince and Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. It does not belong in a church service. I'm glad I read the lyrics, though, because I think that <laughs> illustrates the tree-free-me-see lyrics that I was expressing disappointment about. And I I mean, I do, I do know, like, I, I believe that Genuine... Is is a Christian. He's spoken about being Christian. So Kanye probably got permission from Genuine to do this. Yeah. I just, I do want to point out, like, there's nothing heretical about that rewrite. A lot of it is is uh, quoted or paraphrased scripture. There's nothing problematic about it from a mainstream Christian point of view. It's also just not very super creative. Yeah. And it's also like a, a thing in, in hip hop and R&B music where you'll like, interpolate a, a hook from somebody else's song and put that in your song and change the words a bit. That's, that's totally like accepted within genre. I'm wondering like what other wildly inappropriate songs though, we could change the words to, to make them uh, be about Jesus. Like I was thinking you could do, if you did a uh, miss new booty uh, uh, by Bubba sparks, but it would be like Mr. New body because the body of Christ. So it would be like, right. Right. Holy, 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 pray in everywhere. Holy, 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 pray in everywhere. Holy, 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 pray in everywhere. Pray in everywhere. Pray in every. Like you'd say holy more times than in, than like a Revelations angel. Oh, I was surprised that you knew that. <laughs> Props to oh, you. I've seen the memes. Yeah, um, with a, a million eyes. Right. No, so it's not like quite so wildly inappropriate. The first thing that came to mind for me is there's definitely something with Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. Like, uh, and for Pete, I'm so thankful. That could go to and for, and to God, I'm so thankful. Or you could be talking about St. Peter if, if you're a Catholic, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, you could. Or, uh, you know, Closer by Nine Inch Nails. You know, I, I but it, it, it would be, I want to touch you like the Lamb of God. No. Want you to mm. heal me from the inside. No. My whole existence is flawed. <laughs> and then you wouldn't even have to change the lot. You get me closer to God. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to 
do brain bleach by <laughs> for that one. I think if you're willing to go really universalist, you could take my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and something with the concept of like Jesus brings everybody to heaven. That could there is there's something there. I'm not clever enough to come up with the lyrics. Instead of milkshake, it could be like a, a wine, you know, because he's 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 no, turning water salvation. Salvation. Oh, salvation brings all souls to God. There it is. My salvation brings all the souls to the God. And they're like, it's better than hell. <laughs> Damn right. It's better than hell. I could teach you and I won't have to charge because the word of God is free. <laughs> no, you, Depending on who you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. You know what song does belong? Both on the playlist with So Anxious and and uh, 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 and Pony and Darling Nikki and Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. And you could also use in a church service. Oh my, what song? Completely unchanged. Wouldn't have to change any of the lyrics to it. Please tell me. Do you want to take a guess? No. In the Garden of Eden, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Don't you know that I love you? (laughs) Call back to the Simpsons episode. Yeah. That sounds like rock and or Or roll. roll. It's 17 minutes long, so you'll have plenty of time to do what you need to do, man. That's a good altar um, call song because you won't have to repeat it over and over again. Yeah, it's got like the, the 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 drum solo in the middle. So these Sunday services, they featured these rewritten songs and also a an amount of celebrity appearances that cannot be overstated. Often Justin Bieber would be there to speak to or pray for the crowd. Kanye at one point held a Sunday service at Joel Osteen's megachurch in Texas as right. well. Yeah, because Justin Bieber became a Christian after he, you know, like he because he kind of went off the deep end with drugs and partying and then he became a Christian. Right. He was pa- he was baptized by a celebrity pastor at Hillsong and he's extremely affiliated with them still, which is why we had to do this episode before next week's episode. <laughs> Yeah, which in which we're going to talk about Hillsong, so that'll be fun. So Sunday services weren't directly affiliated with Hillsong in a formal way, but clearly there was a lot of overlap between like people who are affiliated with Hillsong and people who were affiliated with Sunday services, and like the people who like Hillsong and the people who like Sunday services. Sunday service. I keep putting an S on the end. There doesn't need to be one. This is weird, though, because Hillsong is one of the biggest producers of modern contemporary Christian music. And you would think Kanye could have just used their songs instead of rewriting So Anxious for some reason. I don't know. I think that Kanye just doesn't want to use anything for his services that he didn't personally have a hand in making or that he didn't think is like of the culture. Because, like, if you look at his albums, he's not just the performer. He's also the producer. And like I was saying earlier, if you look at the fashion, he'll be doing a lot of the designs himself, which is kind of why a lot of them are ugly. Uh, True that. Sunday service would attract a lot of celebrities that are already somewhat affiliated with Christianity, like the aforementioned Justin Bieber, but also Katy Perry and Tyler, the creator, as well as notable former-ish, fundy-ish, Jeremy and Ginger Fuolo. That is extremely on-brand for Jeremy and Ginger to show up to a Kanye West Sunday service. What could possibly be more on-brand for Jeremy and Ginger? Jeremy is like the epitome of preachers and sneakers. Of course, he's going to show up at Kanye's Sunday service. 
So, oh, but these became a C and B scene type event, like a get good publicity event. So they attracted other big name celebrities who are less affiliated with Christianity. Like who? Well, controversially, Kanye and Justin Bieber co-led a service where they had Marilyn Manson up on stage at them, like right at the beginning of all of the absolutely terrible things that he did coming out publicly. Wow. Yeah, apparently Bieber prayed over him and prayed that, quote, any demonic presence here, end quote, would be cast out, which I think Bob Larson would definitely not approve of. Uh, Larson's methods are much more direct. Like, you have to get the demon's name. You have to get it to renounce legal authority, all of that. Bieber didn't do any of that. It was an opportunity for Manson to try to win over Christians, I think. Like, look, I'm not super evil anymore. Uh, This is a golden opportunity, actually, for both Marilyn Manson and Kanye, because Manson gets this opportunity to be like, see, I'm not evil anymore. And Kanye gets this opportunity to be like, see, I converted the super, super evil dude. But neither of them actually did anything with it. They just like prayed over him. And that was kind of it. No dramatic exorcism, baptism, conversion. This looks like religious theater. And if it is religious theater, it was a missed opportunity for a great show. But instead, it was kind of a bunch of nothing. See, I'm like, I'm wondering if all the people who were in the audience then like drove home listening to We're All Stars Now in the dope show. You know? Like, wh- like, man, that's that's so wild. Well, now that one's got to be writ- rewritten. Now we're all stars in the God show. Marilyn Manson trying to appeal to Christians is just the most. I don't I don't even like this is the guy. This guy has a swastika tattoo. They're they're just trying to get like are they just trying to get literally anybody who is famous to use their platform for Jesus? Because I can see why that would appeal to a lot of evangelicals. But if it's not somebody who you know is like truly sincere about wanting to be for Jesus, then I don't see how that's really helping anybody. Or, or like I This one still confuses me. And of course, Kanye continued to release music featuring Manson as the news of him being a terrible person continued to come out. Do you think that like Christianity is like the anti-cancel culture in that anything that you do before you get saved doesn't count and they can't cancel you for it? I think that's what Kanye and Manson were trying to bank on. And there is definitely that theme in some parts of Christianity. But if that's the game that they were trying to play, I'm just saying I am well versed in that game and they did a terrible job of playing it if that's what they were trying to do. So I feel like back in 2019 and even continuing still, there were a lot of people asking whether Sunday service is a cult. Now, the matching outfits are a little bit creepy, but I don't see any reason to think that it is a cult. However, Kanye is into some other ventures these days that have a lot of cult-like tendencies, especially his new private school, Donda Academy. So I think about now would be a good place to go take up the offering. And when we get back, it's time for a deep dive into Donda Academy. That sounds good. Uh, I'll tell you right now, my take on Sunday service is about the same as my take on Donda Academy which I'll tell you guys about at the end of the episode after we talk about Donda Academy. So that's going to be fun. Excited to hear it when we get there. Cool, cool, cool. 
Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. We are back from our break. We've been talking about Kanye West, his career. We've been talking about Sunday service. But earlier this year, 2022, Kanye started his own private Christian school named in honor of his late mother, Donda West. So it's called the Donda Academy. It's located in Southern California. Sadie has been collecting lots of information about the Donda Academy, and we're going to talk about whether or not we think it's a cult. Yes. Before I start that, I had a research assistant for this half of the episode. Sadie's leveling up, y'all. Leveling up. So I want to thank Alora Dodd for research assistants on this half. Uh, I said that I, what I really needed was a starting point, like a summary of several articles about Donda Academy. There was too much information and I couldn't compile it well enough. It w- was so scattered across the internet, like one tiny piece of the puzzle is here and one tiny piece is over there. I needed everything together. She totally delivered. So thank you, Alora, not only for compiling all of this for me, but also for allowing me to sound incredibly fancy when I say that I had a research assistant. Woo! Yes. So I read an article about Donda Academy quite a few months ago, even before I started seeing videos of the choir or anything like that. Just the headline really caught my attention. Kanye is opening a new Christian private school. Did you immediately think cult when you saw that? Yep. (laughs) And this was before Kanye's recent anti-Semitic tweet issue, uh, the most recent. (laughs) So I don't know exactly what it was that set me off. It just really put up every red flag that there is. It could have just been the phrase Christian private school because that phrase is triggering to me. But one of the first little details that came out was the uniform. He has kids wearing all black. And and then the second detail that came out was the whole school has a worship service every morning. And either one of those details could honestly be what started the cult 
alarm for me. Do you want to know what I thought when I first heard this? Yeah. What was your initial take on this? After listening to Kanye's Christian album called Jesus is King, I came to the conclusion that Kanye's Christian turn is yet another exercise in vanity. Um, Not saying that he doesn't believe in Jesus or believe in God, but I think that 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 there's too much of his own character that's wrapped up in the vanity. My impression of Kanye is that he's a sort of guy who believes in heroes and believes himself to be one. Like he thinks that if you're a great scientist, that doesn't mean that you're like professor of, uh, of, of uh, biology at Oxford university or something. He thinks that being a great scientist means that you're Bruce Banner, AKA incredible Hulk in Marvel comics. And you're working on the secret formula to make superhumans or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like he believes that if you're great at something, then, then you're a force of nature and you will ascend to mythic status. His mission behind the school is to create the next generation of so-called world beaters as we know from previous episodes, uh, and if you're interested in this, look at our episodes about the ACE Christian schools and Abeka uh, 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 Christian curriculums. If you call yourself a Christian school, you can kind of do whatever you want. Uh, you can kind of teach whatever curriculum you like pretty much. And so while I do think that Kanye's Christian faith is definitely a motivating factor, um, and it may even be one of the primary factors. I also see it as kind of a means to an end. Like Kanye is a guy who, to his credit, has always revered educators. And I think that he sees himself as an educator because he reveres people who are educators. And he reveres himself. Right. But the problem with that is that he doesn't read books or look into actual history put together by people who have devoted their lives and careers to uh to to documenting and retelling it. He's he like he can't tell the difference between a good and reliable retelling of history or a like a a, a good scientific study and like a well-produced YouTube video. So what I'm coming up with seems to be pretty similar to what you're thinking. He clearly has genuine religious faith. When Kanye first started Sunday service, I 100% thought it was just a grift. But after finding out more about him and looking into religious uh, references in his past music, I feel a lot less skeptical about that. But I think what you were saying about being a world beater is very relevant to Donda Academy. I think in his mind, because he is genuinely mentally ill he sees himself as a conqueror he made a huge music career he got into fashion he was married to one of the most famous women in the world and that world beater mentality has gotten all mixed in in his mind with his religious thoughts which is not uncommon for people with mental illness but now he thinks he can pass these quote secrets for success that he thinks he has onto other people. And I am not saying that Kanye is a cult leader, but I am saying that that is an element of many cult leaders that I have personally known and eaten cheeseburgers with. <laughs> There's the title of my memoir right there. Cult leaders I've eaten cheeseburgers with? Cult leaders with? I have eaten cheeseburgers with. <laughs> eaten cheeseburger soup with? Uh, no, not uh, not that I can think of, but Jack Scott did really like my mom's meatloaf. I'm sure that she has an excellent meatloaf. My mom is a Southern lady. What do you think? I expect nothing less. 
truly. Uh, <laughs> he, but he did, like, you're right, though. He did call one of his albums The Life of Pablo because he sees himself as analogous to uh, Pablo Picasso. I thought that Pablo was supposed to be the Apostle Paul. So I looked it up. Apparently, he was inspired by uh, Picasso, Escobar, and the Apostle Paul. Okay, so we were both, we were both right. We're both right. Yay! Yeah, but my take is that the, the, the I am the greatest mentality has gotten all mixed in with religion in his mind. And of course, he's been heavily influenced by Christian nationalism, uh, especially in the past like six or so years. We had fun joking about the Closed on Sunday song earlier just for how cruddy it is. But the lyrics to that song reference Christian nationalist talking points like, quote, when you got daughters, always keep them safe. Watch out for vipers. Don't let them indoctrinate. Fear-mongering over how you're raising your children and, quote, family values is, of course, a constant thing in Christian nationalism, right up to the point that their entire organizations like Vision Forum built around that. With these influences that we've been exploring in his life, it makes total sense that he wants to open this Christian school. I want to read a quote from Celtics player Jalen Brown, as quoted in Rolling Stone. He said that he visited Donda Academy and three kids offered him their autographs. Whoa, what? Yeah, this is his quote. Jalen Brown, he's an NBA player. Right. He's like a and these famous kids, basketball player. These kids that go to Donda Academy, like they were walking up to this very famous basketball player and saying, you're going to want my autograph. Here's his quote. They said they will be famous. I believe them. So that is direct evidence that Kanye is instilling this idea of, I am going to be a world shaker. I am going to be a world changer into these children. And as someone who had that done to me, just with a lot more religion, I hate it for these kids. That like that really triggers and upsets me. Remember that because I uh, later I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Just like, This is the same concept that we were taught as fundamentalist children, like you are here to change the world for Christ, and the pressure that that puts on all types of children. That is too much pressure for a neurodivergent child or a child with learning disabilities who doesn't do well in school for a multitude of reasons. That is too much pressure for an average child who has interests and hobbies and isn't a prodigy. That is too much pressure for your children who are prodigies in some area or really book smart, really good at school. It is too much pressure for every kind of child that exists. And it is traumatic in different ways for every different type of child that is. I agree with that. And I can say that from a personal experience. Yes, that is extremely harmful and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, you you Ugh. know, you know, people in life who had this kind of pressure put on them. No people. I am people. Right. But, okay. The thing about like people like people like you and me yeah. were exceptionally bright children and that pressure on exceptionally bright children leads to burnout. Yeah. And I don't even perfect- know if I would call myself exceptionally bright. I just think, I think you're. I mean, I'm, I think you're exceptionally bright. I think you probably were as a child. I was good at making connections between things, but the, just and like- I was and I was um, <clears throat> an extremely early reader and had off the charts reading comprehension in particular. And I wasn't extremely exceptional at STEM stuff, but my reading comprehension was so good that it propelled me especially because I was in the ACE curriculum. 
See, I think that I was seven or eight and my parents saw something that they wanted to see. That's my take on it. But but thinking of like other children that I knew, when when this is applied to bright children or children that have a talent, it leads to burnout and perfectionism and self-hatred. When this is applied to children who are average, it leads to a, either um, a massively inflated sense of self-worth or a massively deflated sense of self-worth. Kind of no in between. Oh. <laughs> and when this is applied. That's me. <laughs> and when this is applied oh, to like fun. children who are neurodivergent, have learning disabilities, don't have a talent in the area that they are expected to have a talent in, it's a disaster. And it's incredibly painful. And I've known all of those different types of people. I have never met a child who this kind of pressure of you are going to change the world was good for. And I don't believe that child exists. So just from that, that makes me feel extremely hostile to Donda Academy because I do not believe that that philosophy is ever good for children. No, I'm with you there. I completely agree with you. Sorry, I got really passionate about that, but that was important. I'm passionate about that topic too, and I agree with everything that you just said. I, I and you put it into words better than I could have, uh, and I, I'm glad that you said that. So I want to go through what we know about Donda Academy, and maybe we can do a little culty or not culty analysis of the different bits of information we have about the school and see where we land. Yeah, sure, and we can talk about it. Yeah, talk about it with the bite model, which uh, for those who are just because I know that a bunch of people probably clicked on this episode because they saw Kanye West in the title and they haven't listened to our previous episodes. Bite model, it stands for behavior control, information control, emotion control, and thought control. And basically those four aspects are how you determine whether or not something is a cult. So we're going to look at it through those uh, through that lens. Yeah, we also we like using this particular measurement system for whether something is a cult because it is a standard that we can measure all groups by and it helps us be less biased. So one of the things that I have heard repeated the most about Donda Academy is that parents have to sign an NDA to for their children to attend. Do you have culty or non-culty for this aspect? So this is 50-50 for me because if it were any other Christian school, I'd say culty. But NDAs are extremely common in Hollywood. And if you're getting involved with somebody as famous as Kanye West, you should expect to sign an NDA no matter what. Yeah, I'm going to say non-culty. Kanye is well known for passing out NDAs like candy. He has used them extensively throughout his life and it throughout his career. And it makes sense that if you were sending your kid to an extremely exclusive private school run by a celebrity, yeah, it makes sense that they're going to ask you for an NDA. Celebrity nannies and chefs and housekeepers have to sign NDAs too. The only thing that's culty about this is that the school and Kanye's representatives describe this as an, quote, informal agreement. But all signs point to it very much being a formal legal NDA. Yeah. So you've got non-culty. Do you have non-culty or culty? I have mostly non-culty. The only thing I don't like is that the representatives are being shady about what it is the parents are actually actually signing. Yeah. See, I've got 50-50 because like, that may not be the intended purpose, but if you were trying to run a cult, like it, having NDAs is a bit of a bonus, isn't it? True. So I wanted to put that point first because I'm going to hit you with two real culty points next. Okay, go for it. The first, of course, is the uniforms. The student uniforms are all black and consist of Kanye's own 
Yeezy and Gap designs, which makes me wonder if they're going to have uniform supply chain issues if the school reopens now that Gap has cut ties with Kanye. Just a thought. This part I see, like, I think personally, it, it like culty in a sort of like vertical integration way. You know what I'm saying? Like Kanye sees the school as an extension of his impact on the world. And part of that impact is fashion and aesthetics. So, of course, the aesthetics of the school are going to be regimented because uh, in his world form is ahead of function and in much of his design philosophy. So, of course, they're going to have uniforms. And, of course, Kanye is going to be the one who designs them. Because, you know, he believes himself to be the best designer in the world, even though all of his clothes are ugly. Extremely ugly. Like, it makes sense that he wants a certain aesthetic. Like, we've all seen photos of the horrible, ugly house he designed with Kim K. Uh, But I, I personally, so this is where this is bumping into my personal bias. I personally hate the idea of school uniforms for children. That is simply because I grew up with them and ours were incredibly ugly and i hated them i know uh, logically that uniforms are good for reducing competition between children making everyone more financially equal in the school environment and reducing distractions i know this logically but the idea of making all kids dress the same is triggering to me personally also a cultural thing making children wear all black is not a thing like old school southern culture that I was very much raised in, it is children do not wear black, do not wear all black. No, I, I do think that uniforms are fine as long as there's more than just like two options. Like if it's like a, this is the uniform for boys, this is the uniform for girls, then that can cause a lot of problems, especially with regards to kids who like have issues with their conforming to one gender or another and also just like some clothes just don't look good on people so if you have like a uniform where there's the option where you can have a sweater or a shirt or a jacket or skirts or pants or whatever uh just as long as you have multiple options among all of those things and is isn't regimented one or the other then that for me it's fine yeah um my school my school growing up had kind of that option so girls had to wear navy or black skirt, baby blue, white, pink or pale yellow shirt, and then navy gray or white sweater or a navy or black vest. So we did have options, but I don't look good in any of those colors. (laughs) So uh, having options is better, but then you lose some of the benefits of the uniform to begin with. Yeah, man, no jewel tones. I know, I I know, and I rock jewel tones. I just... (sighs) Yeah. So I I don't know. I I think this is more than anything else. This is just about trying to maintain a specific aesthetic. And right now, Kanye is just really into industrial minimalism and like brutalism. But I think it's absurd to push design philosophies on a 10 year old who at any other school, they would be wearing a T-shirt with a monster truck or a T-shirt with like Queen Elsa from Frozen on it. Mm hmm. Yeah, and and I do, I do, but just personally not like anything that's Kanye's aesthetic. That's just the opposite of, I'm very, like, maximalist in my personal aesthetic, and I really like bright colors, jewel tones, and gold. I don't think that's coloring my perception too much, though, because my issue with these uniforms is stealing children's autonomy and individuality for an aesthetic. Yeah. 
and that is culty. Not that every institution, school, job, or what have you, that makes a person wear a uniform is a cult, but destroying people's autonomy is culty and doing it to children. You know, when I first heard about these uniforms, I thought it was just all black every day. And as much as I don't like the idea of children wearing black, I could see it like, oh, you can wear black leggings and a black t-shirt, or you can wear a black skirt and a black shirt and a black jacket. Like that made sense to me. And that would still fit the aesthetic. But having all the children dressed exactly the same, I think it, yeah, I think it's, it is sacrificing individuality for an aesthetic. And that's culty. Yeah. It's like they're wearing like oversized baggy t-shirts and like cargo pants is the look and Yeezy sneakers. So the other super culty red flag and the singular thing that made me say, oh, shoot, we have to do an episode on this is the fact that Donda Academy opens every school day with worship. I've seen a couple different videos of the choir. One of them is a video of the kids chanting, good morning, Donda, over and over and over again. And it was so incredibly creepy. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. I also saw this video. I'm going to make a circle here because I have to like psych myself up to talk about this video because it it is so creepy. Malik Youssef, who is a collaborator of Kanye's and helped Kanye found Donda Academy, said in a Business Insider article, quote, I don't think Kanye needs to tell the world what he's doing so that he can be under more scrutiny. People choose to bring their kids to Donda Academy for a sense of privacy a sense of care, a sense of concern, a sense of love, an environment of health, an environment of wealth, an environment of learning, and putting God as a focus. So on one hand, I get what he's saying. Because so far, like all these things, they're definitely weird. But they're about the same level of weird as one of those, you know, those like ultra crunchy alternative granola private schools in San Francisco or L.A.? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the, the school that Kim K's kids go to is probably not much less weird. No, the school that I'm... Do you watch New Girl? Have you watched New Girl? I've seen a little bit of it. There's a season at which uh, uh, Jess, uh, Zoe Deschanel's character, is teaching at one of these, like, really crunchy granola schools. And that's kind of... Like, it doesn't seem like it's that different in, in... Like, all this stuff is weird, but it isn't, like, something that you couldn't see at one of those places. The other thing I was thinking about is that we live in an age when if something happens at a school that's a little bit out of the ordinary and somebody posts about it on social media, it could get picked up by like libs of TikTok. It could get blown up as a major news story by a news network. And then that person or school is now the target of a serious harassment campaign or like death threats or something Mm -hmm. like that to the teachers that work there. Yeah. So on the surface, this um, this idea of like parents come here because they want privacy and they want a non-traditional education on the surface, it makes sense. Uh, The level of weirdness, like, um, you know, our students do parkour for PE because it's exercise with no competition and we don't want them to have a competitive mindset or like food science classes include roasting high end coffee and nutritious meals prepared by Kanye's personal chef. Like this is not out of line with other schools that other celebrities and ultra rich people send their kids to. Some some of the things that that very rich people do to their children um 
sound great. Some of the things that they do to their children, uh, I think, are incredibly way too obsessed with perfection um, and not conducive to having a childhood. But this is weird, but not culty. See, this stuff sounds interesting to me. Like it's it's like a cool opportunity for like the the food science class. That sounds interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Parkour, yeah, parkour is PE. That sounds interesting. I'm sure a lot of kids would love that. Provided that they're also getting uh, like a standard history, standard math, standard science, standard English education as well. Yeah, I agree with you. There are probably students that this whole learning regime would actually be very good for. Uh, like you said, assuming that they're also learning the basis, the basics. The, the parents that are sending their children to Donda Academy aren't like, you know, your parents sending you to private Christian school associated with your church and then hoping that you'll go into ministry. Or my parents se- who want me to be like a professional something or other sending me to public school and then saying, well, you'll go to, to a, a private liberal arts school for college. That's not that's not who's sending their kids there. These are parents whose breakfast is like green juice from Erewhon and an espresso enema. Yep. These yeah, these are these are people who are injecting like concentrated goat sperm extract into their foreheads to reverse aging. These are like these are people who eat vegan and wear furs. Like that's the type of people right. that we're talking about. Like these the the parents of these children are the people who buy goop unironically. Yeah. Yeah, this is not a Christian school like I went to. This is a Christianized version of the crunchy schools that that kind of parent want to send their kids to anyway. And for a lot of these parents, the perceived status of going to Kanye school is likely a far bigger factor for them than the part that where it is technically a Christian school. However, I want to call your attention to a few things here. First, the the quote from Yusuf, it references that part of what these parents want for their kids is privacy and that Kanye shouldn't, quote, have to tell the world what he's doing so that he can be under more scrutiny. That isn't culty on its own. Like we said, private schools for the ultra rich are weird and secretive. It's just what it is. But combined with everything else, it starts to seem more culty. You know what isn't on the Donda Academy website in the uh, and also is not in the accreditation paperwork that is in process or is also not available literally anywhere else. What? Any information about what curriculum is being used or what, if anything, these children are actually being taught in core subjects. Okay, well, that's a problem. It is a problem. It's a problem for me on a lot of levels. Number one, educational neglect is a very personal topic for me. If there's no curriculum and or no accountability, I know what can happen because it happened to me and all of my friends. And if if this was an 8th through 12th grade junior high high school, I would be so much more ready to let this slide. Because a a kid going into 8th grade who has no complications or problems beyond their control should generally, as a vast generalization, should be able to read, write, spell, especially with the help of technology like Spellcheck, add, subtract, divide, and multiply reliably. They should have a basic idea of history and science. And hey, if like ultra-rich parents want to send their kid to an esoteric high school where they're going to make celebrity connections and learn food science, if your kid can multiply, you know, (laughs) whatever, like do whatever you're going to do, ultra-rich people. But there are children in this school. This school actually started as a K-8 through kindergarten through eighth grade school, and then added high school. 
There are children in this school who are so young that they may not have reading all the way down yet. They may not have their basic math skills like multiplication, and I do not trust this school to teach children their times tables. I am very progressive and open-minded about a lot of things, but I am very traditionalist about a a few things in life, and one of them is the very basics of education. I don't care if rich people want to send their high school-age kids to a school where they learn about roasting high-end coffee instead of algebra. I don't care. Those kids will always be rich enough to pay someone to do their algebra for them. But I do care if there are children, regardless of whether they are ultra-rich children or not, who might not learn to read or write and might not get basic math skills. Beulah McLeod, who appeared to be one of the most qualified staff members that Donda Academy formerly formerly had, has left the school. And this was before the whole anti-Semitic tweet thing. She said that she left because of, quote, philosophical differences about the level of stability that is required to educate students in an effective way. Mm. Yeah, that's not good. Who was one of the most qualified staff members they had. That's not not a good sign. Number two, back to this good morning Donda thing. Since everyone is there and it is morning time, I have to assume, based on the schedule shared by Donda Academy representatives, that this is a video from the morning all-school worship session. Because if it's morning and everybody's there, then this is your morning worship, right? I assume so. Aside from the obvious concern that singing slash chanting to a dead woman is not worship in any traditional Christian sense, I have other concerns. So I will admit that student body worship is just a trigger for me. But when I try to look past that, the concern I have is the question of who is responsible for these kids' religious education. If I ever were going to send my kid to a school where religion was part of the curriculum and religious participation was required, I would sure as hell want to know who was leading this religious education component and what was being taught. It it makes me worry that this is just a vehicle for Kanye to pass on his religious delusions to children. And we know that he is passing on his delusions of grandeur and his self, like his inflated self-image to children. So it really makes me worry that he is passing on the religious delusions that have been mixed in with that to children as well. And listen, in the sense of fairness, all religious schools are about indoctrinating children teaching children about religion uh, in a very literal sense of the word indoctrination. Teaching your children about social issues or politics is also indoctrination. That word has a very negative connotation, but the literal meaning isn't quite so negative. It is always up to parents to decide what they are going to indoctrinate their child with. And we all, as parents, hope that we're choosing the right things. But if there's nothing available on the traditional subject curriculum for Donda Academy kids, and there's also nothing available on the religious curriculum for Donda Academy kids, it makes me think that it, that the religious curriculum is just Kanye telling these kids whatever he wants to. And that, when I combine it with the quote from Yusef and then all these other quotes from people involved who have said that the secrecy and the privacy are a good thing, that's when it becomes a red flag that goes far beyond, oh, these kids have a religious service every day. 
what you were saying about where the religious education is just like whatever Kanye thinks about God at that time. I get the feeling that he's running the school in almost the same manner that Elon Musk runs Twitter right now, you know, where, where he just decides I'm going to do this thing and then he does it. Right. And, and then I'll figure out the consequences later. And only instead of being like a multi multi-billion dollar company that he's running with questionable levels of success, it's the education of dozens of children whose lives are going to be affected by this. That's the problem. Yeah. Like this is you. Do you know how hard it is to unfuck up a kid? Would you like to see my therapy bills? I am aware that that, that that is a difficult thing to do. (laughs) I'm extremely aware. Uh. I feel like, you know, creative freedom in art is a valuable thing. You know, make weird make niche niche but Kanye has taken freedom of speech to mean I can make death threats on Twitter. And now he's facing the consequences. By the way, I know that this has been a very, very stressful and distressing time for you and for Jewish listeners of our podcast. It is okay if it doesn't make you feel any better. It makes me feel a little bit better that he has lost like 90% of his personal wealth. Oh, I I've I, that's I find that hilarious. Personally, that makes me feel a little bit better on your behalf. And again, if that if it personally doesn't make you feel any better, I validate those feelings, but it I like how it makes me feel. <laughs> but he so he's facing the consequences for like what he has taken to as an interpretation of free speech and creative freedom as much as i believe in that where when it comes to art and music creative freedom has no place in playing science experiment with the minds and educations of young children one reason is that these children can't consent to being an educational and frankly psychological guinea pig these children cannot consent to being forced to chant to a dead woman and that is disturbing to me even the children who do want to go to Donda Academy, as opposed to children like Seven Bahati, who implied in an interview that his parents made the choice for him to attend the school without his input. Yeah, I think what you're saying about creative freedom is really, that's really poignant. I mean, there there is, like with education, there is some room for creative freedom for uh, for you know, or maybe this curriculum or or this style of learning works better for this kid than this, you know, that's fine. That's how some of the best techniques that we have now in education were invented. But playing with the minds of children is not a fun science experiment. It's more like a science experiment that could potentially blow up and kill people. And the people who are doing that are people who have been in education for years and who are like child psychologists and who are education experts and who have been like, well, I've observed this. I wonder if this kid would benefit from doing this. Not just like, I'm Kanye West and I'm a genius. I know how kids should learn. We're just going to do random shit that I thought of. No, like, because it's it's like we have creative freedom over this show. But if I came and said that I wanted to do an episode where the entire thing was slander against Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> You would absolutely not agree to that, and we wouldn't do that episode. Creative freedom is an important thing. Freedom of speech is an important thing. But hateful, harmful, incendiary comments targeted at a group of people that could reasonably cause harm are not that thing. And recklessly playing with 
a kid's future and a kid's brain with no accountability is not that thing. And I feel like Kanye has it all conflated. The last thing I want to get into as far as Donda Academy goes is the school basketball team. Oh, I'm interested to hear about this. This um may seem a little bit odd, but I promise this is going somewhere, Colty. The team is another one of Kanye's personal pet projects. It seems to be very important to him. The Donda Doves are outfitted in Balenciaga uniforms and Yeezys, and Kanye has been known to often show up to practice unannounced. The uniforms, so Alora actually pointed out something really interesting about this when she sent me my article list for making this episode. The armholes are smaller than typical jerseys. The fit is extremely tight. The material is different than standard jersey material. They don't necessarily look like a garment designed to make playing basketball more efficient. They look more like a garment designed to look good in pictures and look good while playing basketball. And her take, which I have to give her credit for, because I thought it was such a good take, is that this is a great analogy for the whole school. It's about how things look. It's about appearances and not about what is actually best for the children enrolled in the school. Two things. One is that like NBA players now, they the, the jerseys on for for basketball are generally a bit tighter than they were probably five, six, seven years ago. So there is that. However, yeah, but I do how think, is that yeah. practical for a kid whose body may still be growing? Well, yeah, if I mean, if you're a like a top level high school basketball player, though, you're just going to get a new jersey whenever you need to get a new jersey and the school is going to like this is a, a top level private school. You're That's not something that you're going to have to worry about. However, like I, I do think that this is like that, that your analogy about this is accurate. But I will revise my opinion on the Donda Doves if any of them make it to the NBA. So the other thing about the basketball team, though, the culty part, number one is the recruitment practices, which are pretty sketchy. Are they more sketchy than most top-level recruitment schemes for high, high school athletes? Uh, prob- okay, so probably not. And the recruitment practices in themselves don't make this a cult. But when you add it to everything else going on with the school, it adds up. So one player, Brayden Moore, was recruited and convinced to decommit from Rutgers to play as a fifth-year senior for Donda Academy instead of going to college. But as I understand, that's not totally uncommon in the world of high school sports. Yeah, that's unusual, but it's not completely unheard of. I mean, this happens in the the NCAA as well. People play as fifth-year seniors. Yeah, they'll like redshirt their freshman year. Right. Like this is this is I've seen this a lot on um, football teams that I'm a fan of. I think the bigger red flags are that many of the basketball players are personally recruited from around the country by Kanye's team and associates. They come to L.A. and they live in luxury apartments with chaperones on site and their entire schedule revolves around basketball practice. In the past, they did mostly online classes to be able to fit their academics around basketball. The biggest red flag, though, is that Kanye will occasionally make personal calls to these students on their cell phones, like just to check up on them, quoting from a Slam magazine article, quote, to see how the doves are doing both athletically and academically. So you've got teenagers living across the country, 
from their parents in some cases. Often, they are financially dependent on Kanye and Donda Academy because a large percentage of Donda Academy students are on scholarship. This is one of those things. From the outside, it looks great. Oh, Kanye has recruited students from his choir. He reserves slots in the choir every year for students specifically who cannot afford to attend and brings them in on scholarship. There are basketball students who cannot afford Donda Academy and they are brought in on scholarship. And that looks so generous. But in reality, those students are now beholden to the school and they are financially dependent upon Donda Academy, which is financially dependent personally on Kanye West. Their lives revolve, in the case of the basketball players, their lives revolve around the basketball team at the expense of academics, and the basketball team is Kanye's pet project. So the man that they are dependent upon financially is also extremely invested in the things that their life revolves around, and he controls their housing. He shows up at their practices, attends their games, attracts a huge amount of press attention, and calls them personally on their cell phones on their off time. I think the combination of the vulnerability of these minor kids who are sometimes living without their parents present and the financial dependence on Kanye and the involvement he has in their personal lives is a cause for worry. It's not that any one of those things is necessarily the end of the world, but when you put them all together, it starts to give me the ick real bad. I mean, this, uh, so this whole situation. I mean, it's not completely out of the ordinary for kids who have who think that they have a, a like a legitimate shot at being a professional athlete, because um, there's plenty of private high schools that that's basically the major selling point is that they provide student athletes with a structure to be successful as an athlete first and foremost, and they'll get you through the academics. But that's not that that that's not what you're about to do with your life. So you just they get you through like they get you through your exams and that's it. The only thing that really raises my eyebrow here is that Kanye is so heavily personally involved since he isn't actually a basketball player. So that's the I, weird part to me. I was thinking back to last week when we were talking about content creator ethics and how even at our relatively tiny level compared to Kanye's celebrity status, there are ethics that we have to keep in mind. And that's what I think is raising this red flag about Kanye being so personally involved in the lives of the basketball players, especially, which is a is a small red flag, but for me, it becomes a big red flag when it is combined with their financial dependence upon him. So I think that is... A perfect point with which to transition to my take on the school because my take is is kind of related to this and then i can tie that back tie that back to my take on sunday service yeah let's do it my take on the school is that it is not a cult at least not in the way that we think of of like a cult i think that there's like this school is definitely attended by people who are who, who have who subscribe to the kanye west personality cult probably um, or or people whose parents subscribe to the Kanye West personality cult, or just are people who idol worship at, at at the idol of fame. And here's why: if you're sending your kid to Donda Academy, you're not sending them there because you think that your kid is going to go to I don't know Cal State or UCLA and get a master's in social work or become a teacher, or because you think they're going to become a lawyer or an engineer or a doctor 
after you graduate from Donda Academy, you're going to go get a house with some of your friends, either in Los Angeles or New York, and you're going to try to be an artist or a musician or an actor or a TikTok creator or an influencer or some shit. Your parents are going to pay your rent. Uh, you're never going to have to get an actual job uh, unless you get massively successful as like a, a, a celebrity or something, um, which I guess is a job. Uh, like being an actor, that's a job. Being a musician, that's a job. Uh, and you're going to live that life. How you get ahead in those industries is through connections. In the entertainment industry, you it, it is possible to break through without knowing people. But if you've got a demo, say you're a musician, say you've got a demo, and you want to make it in front of the right people, you want the right people to hear that demo, having Kanye West's personal phone number in your phone and having a good personal relationship with him will go a long way. Even though everybody hates Kanye right now and he's lost all of his endorsements for being anti-Semitic, if he came out with a new song tomorrow, it would probably break the internet and people would listen to it and people would be talking about people would be tweeting about it. People would be like posting it on Instagram or whatever, even if the song were terrible and believe me, he's made some legitimately terrible music lately. That's gotten millions of downloads. The thing is with the entertainment industry in Southern California is that it is a transactional environment. If you're a rich kid and you want to be a singer or a rapper, you're going to go to private school anyway, because you're a rich kid in LA. If you can pay $15,000 a year to ensure that once you graduate, any music that you make, any demo, any song that you get featured on is going to make it in front of, of the ears of Kanye West, then you're going to make that $15,000 a year upfront investment. Which is a tiny investment compared to the price of other celebrity-involved private schools. Exactly. My thoughts are sort of the same as far as his Sunday services go. I don't think it's a cult. I hardly even think it qualifies as a Christian religious service because I don't think that anybody is going to it because they want to get Jesus in their life. I think that they're going to it because they want to be close to Kanye. I I will agree. I don't feel ready to, I certainly don't feel that Sunday service is a cult. I think it has some cult-like tendencies and that shouldn't be ignored considered when you consider the fact that it is led by an extremely charismatic and problematic person, um, but I don't think it's a cult. And I, I don't think Donda Academy is a cult, although I would probably, after last week, classify at least Donda as a part of a cult of personality. Oh, absolutely. I think that's that's spot on what you said there. But that sort of brings me to my final thoughts, which is that in in the first half of this episode, I spoke about uh, Kanye's pattern of misbehavior, apology, and redemption. Um, that cycle, followed by then worse misbehavior. At this point, all of the people who were once his friends and collaborators, so like Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kid Cudi, Bonnie Vare, Drake, none of those people are going to have anything to do with him anymore. Those are all people who are famous and who are successful in their own right with a body of work that stands out on its own. Like hell... Even Donald Trump said that this guy needs help. Trump said that Kanye is 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 going off the rails and needs and needs to That is a sick burn. That is truly wild when I saw that. Right now the only people 
who are left around him are sycophants and hangers on who see him as either a cash machine or people who still buy into the personality cult and think of him as like a tortured genius and will enable his nut job behavior or people like, you know, Candace Owens who like the fact that he's controversial and are basically just using his, uh, his controversy to boost their own. She is a vampire who is sucking his fame and attempting to suck out his money through getting him to buy parlor, which her husband owns. And out of all of the things that she has done that I very much dislike, uh, this is possibly the worst. And as much as I dislike Kanye and condemn <laughs> pretty much everything he said in the last four years from his, um, anti-Semitism, refusal to get help with his mental health issues, and frankly, stalker and possessive and creepy behavior towards his ex-wife, this is the one where I maybe feel sorry for him because I think Candace Owens is using him and getting away with it. This is one where I do feel like he is potentially being victimized by her. And like, other than those types of people, you know, the, the, like th- those people who are using him, there's still sort of a, a few like personality cult people that still buy into the, like the tortured genius thing. And those are the people who will continue to enable his nut job behavior. But I think that when he inevitably runs out of money, a lot of like all those hangers on will disappear. And I will say as somebody who was a fan of his until a few years ago, you know, I subscribed to the Kanye subreddit and I'll tell you from the, I'll tell you what the vibe is right now there. Now that he's gone off the deep end with anti-Semitism, are you interested in hearing about this? Yeah, absolutely. What I've seen people are done with him mostly, which is really wild to think about. Cause I mean, there's like a small number of people who are saying like that, that he speaks the truth that they, the, the people don't want him to say kind of thing. But those people, I feel like they're either mostly trolls or they're like the, the small minority of his followers who are also like into the whole black Hebrew Israelite thing. What I mostly see people saying is, man, He's really fallen off. I wish he would get help, but he's alienated everybody around him who would push him into that. And they've all cut him out of their lives and no doubt they've tried to help him and they're closer to him and you know they really know what's going on. And at this point, he's if he's going to get help, it's going to have to come from him. And that's what people are saying, which is like kind of what like it's sad, but that like it's sad that he's at this point in his career because, you know, I, as somebody who was really a fan of his, like it, it, it is sad to see him come to this, but like I'm seeing dudes who got the cartoon bear from the graduation album artwork. They got the cartoon bear tattooed on their body. And these guys are now saying that they're done with him. I'm seeing people who have all of his albums on vinyl and who bought into his fashion and who danced to his music at their weddings and at their graduations and said that he is their favorite artist ever. These guys are are done with him. And like the the personality cult hit, like it's almost co- like completely collapsed. Like that's all I'm seeing now is people who are just like bummed out that it's that they can't really be into this guy anymore. 
I do really hope that... So I, I think I have two hopes for this situation. I hope that people keep that energy because I feel that I have seen in the past people say something that was or do something that people said, oh, you can't come back from that. You're done. You're Nobody's ever, you know, people saying, oh, I'll never engage with this person's content again. And then five or six years pass and they're back. Uh, Louis C.K. comes to oh, mind. God. So I do hope that people continue to hold Kanye accountable when he does things that are tru- truly horrible and says things that are truly horrible. The other side of that is I hope this opens up a conversation about what accountability means when people are mentally ill and opens up a conversation about paths to redemption that are not part of that abusive cycle of do the bad thing, apologize for the bad thing, do something new, and expect that this cycle can continue forever. I hope this opens up a conversation on what true change looks like in a person, whether Kanye ever achieves that or not. Yeah, I I mean, I hope he gets better. I'm not holding my breath. If he came out and said, I've and said something like I've bought into all of these conspiracy theories and I realize that they're not true and I realize that my psychosis was putting me in a place where I couldn't believe what I was seeing in front of my eyes and said something like like along those lines and said you know I'm really sad about all of the harms that I've done to people and you know xyz blah 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 thing like that and I really want to learn about this issue and make it like if he came out and said that I would be over the moon, man. I would, I would be so pleased. I would, you know, I I would see that as like a pure, like a a true sign of personal growth, but like, I don't know if I'm, if, if that's too much to ask from him for this point, or if he's willing to admit that he's, because in order to do that, he would have to admit that he's not the geniusest person in the entire universe. And not every thought that comes out of his mouth is the most amazing thought that, needs to come well, out of anybody's we will yeah. we'll see i i certainly agree that i hope that he gets help and gets better and kanye is a christian and so i want him to know that uh in in line with his christian beliefs i believe that he i don't think he's done anything that's truly putting him beyond redemption oh. but he's just like but but look i was raised with a lot of very toxic beliefs about a lot of things and um i don't ever want to say, well, I'm fixed, but I am very actively in the process of fixing that. It's certainly possible. Anyway, I think that's a good note to end on. Let's wrap this episode up. My Let's voice is getting really tired. I bet you can tell. Same Sadie's here. about ready to fall out of her chair. Again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear me fall out of my chair the first time, subscribe to the I Gave It All Tier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll go up there. No, if if you like our show... Uh, next week we have an episode coming up. We're going to talk about Hillsong. That's going to be really fun. But it, it, if you're a fan of the show, you can subscribe to the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. I have a new podcast coming out. If you're a fan of Formula One racing, I'm going to talk about Formula One racing on House of Speed podcast with my friend Bolana. She's a cool person. You guys will like her. Uh, And if you're into racing or if you're not into racing, this is a great place to start if you don't know anything about Formula One racing. But our first episode of the House of Speed podcast is debuting on Tuesday, 
December 6th. I'm really excited for that. This has been coming for months and I'm so happy that I'm able to announce it now, but we're going to do all sorts of cool stuff. So that's a cool, fun thing. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. So that's going to be coming out. You can follow the podcast. You can follow our podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod. Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Sure. You can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music, on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie, and on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at G A V R I E L H A C O H E N. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this show. Uh, It's been a great episode. It's been a lot of fun. Um, And we hope to hear you guys and see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.